Well, the purpose of today, hey, we're here to worship God. We're here to encourage one another, but we're also going to honor some moms today. Thankful for them. And you might be here, maybe you're new to church. I'll just tell you, Mother's Day is not a biblical holiday, okay? It's not in the Bible. But it was started in the church. Kind of cool. I don't know if you knew that or not. The, the way we celebrate Mother's Day, it started in 1907 by a woman named Anna Jarvis who wanted to honor her mom. Now, her mom had helped a lot of people during the Civil War. She was a peace activist. She cared for wounded soldiers. She did a lot of work to promote health in the community. And so she wanted to hold a memorial to honor her mom where all moms could be honored. It started in 1907 at the Methodist Church in Grafton, West Virginia. And the interesting thing about Anna Jarvis is that even though she wanted to honor her mom, she herself was never married, never had children, but she knew the value of a mom. And I just think that's cool that, you know, as a church, we can honor moms. In a few weeks, we're going to honor dads. Family is important because family is God's idea, especially in an age where, man, there's a lot of confusion around gender right now. I'm glad that the church can be a place where we honor women, we honor what moms can do, honor what they add to our life and how our lives are better because of them, because none of us would be here without a mom. So whenever I get up here, I, I recognize that there's lots of different people in the room, people coming from different places. And as much as we're celebrating the women in our life and honoring mothers in our life, I just want to recognize that for some people, this is not a positive day. Could be because you're estranged from your relationship with your mom. Maybe you are a mom and you have a tenuous or strained relationship with your kids. And so Mother's Day isn't something you're necessarily excited about. Or maybe uh, you heard my, my wife get up here and, and talk about the things we're doing at Insight for Women's Center and just the, the thought of that. And Mother's Day, maybe that brings some guilt or some pain from a decision that you made. Or maybe you've lost your mom or, or you've been divorced and now you're a single mom or Maybe even if you're a single dad, you're here and you're thinking about the support that you don't have in your family. I just want to tell you, wherever you're at on that spectrum, you're going to be encouraged today. Like today is going to help you. God's word helps all of us. And we come, we come to worship God. We come to be encouraged. And when we open God's word, it meets us where we're at. It speaks to us. It helps us. And I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen in your life today. It's going to help you if you're a mom, but this is also going to help you as a member of a family today, because we're going to look at a scripture that I've never preached on this before. In fact, I don't know if I've heard a sermon preached on this text before. It's this interaction between Jesus and his family, specifically Jesus, his mom, and his brothers. Now, if I said that, that takes you by surprise. Sometimes we forget that Jesus had a biological family. Jesus course, Mary and Joseph, he had an earthly mom and dad. His father was God, but he had biological brothers and sisters. Now, when I say that, understand Jesus is the only begotten son of God. He is the only one who was born of a virgin, the only one who had an immaculate conception, the only one who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He stands alone. But later on, Mary and Joseph, they had other children. And so in Mark chapter 3, 
we're going to get a peek into some of these family dynamics. Now, Mark chapter 3, it is still in the early stages of Jesus' ministry. He's just getting started. He's set up in Galilee in a small village called Capernaum. And while he's been there, he has wasted no time proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He has healed sick people. He has cast out demons. He's teaching in the synagogues about the good news of the kingdom. And because Capernaum was the only stopping point on this major trade route, everybody would have to stop there. The news of what's happening in Capernaum is spreading rapidly. So needless to say, people start coming from all over. Crowds are gathering to see him and hear him because nobody's ever witnessed this before. And this is where I want to pick up the story because it's while Jesus is teaching, we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 3, verse 31. It says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone to call him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. And verse 33 says, Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Thanks a lot, Jesus. This is a great Mother's Day sermon right now. <laughs> then he looked at those seated in the circle around him, and he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Happy Mother's Day. I hope you feel really encouraged by that. Jesus just really loving on. This has to be one of the craziest Mother's Day text. Because this is like the only time in Scripture where Jesus completely disregards his mom. It's the time where the word, Jesus is the word, he doesn't say a word to his mother and just completely ignores them. And yet, within this strange text is something powerful that I want to show you today. So I'm calling this message, if you're taking notes, I'm calling this message, Word to Your Mother. Word to Your Mother. All right, stop. All right. Okay. I'm just glad a few people appreciated that. Hey, have you ever felt excluded? I mean, put yourself in this moment. So crazy. Jesus is in this situation. His family's concerned about him. And he's like, I'm just going to completely ignore you. I think all of us have felt excluded at some time or another. Um, it's like when you find out that there's a group text that you're not a part of. Nobody likes that feeling. Which, by the way, every group text has a subgroup text. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry to tell you that on Mother's Day, but every group text has a subgroup text that excludes somebody. Group texts are funny. I have a group text with my family, to my wife's side of the family, and uh, we, we call this, a, the key to a good group text, by the way, is uh, you, you have to give it the right name. That's the first key. And, uh, you know, the problem with group texts is that sometimes, like, 
people leave the friend group and it's like you're faced with that dilemma. Do I remove this person? For, no, don't remove them. Just, just start a new group text, okay? That's the best way to do it. It's a little passive aggressive, but it, it, it works. It's a safe face. It's giving you all sorts of pro tips today. But I have this group text with my family, my wife's side of the family, and we call it just the family. And the reason we call it just the family is because of one time where I was excluded from the family events. It was, it was at a wedding and uh, my, my brother-in-law is, was getting married to his now wife. And, and uh, you know, we, I was one of the groomsmen at the wedding. We had the ceremony. We did all the, you know, festivities, all of that. And it was time uh, to do family photo. And we're there and, you know, mom and dad, are, Marissa's mom and dad are there. And Spencer, her brother, and his now wife are there. Marissa goes ahead and gets in the photo. And I get in the photo. And... My mother-in-law says, no, Justin, just the family. <laughs> now, bear in mind, we had already been married for a year. And we had dated three months or three years prior to getting married. And uh, so just, Maureen, happy Mother's Day. Thank you for that story. <laughs> so we never let her live that down. And anytime uh, we're doing something, we take a family photo of just the family. I really appreciate her vote of confidence in our marriage. But when I read this story, I have to laugh because it makes me think of, of that where it's almost like Jesus, he's got his people around him and his biological family comes, his mom comes, his brother comes and they, they want to be a part. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Sorry, mom. This is just the family. It, it, it's just for these people. Just for the, for the ones who are here around me. It's just for the ones that are doing my Father's will. Well, make no mistake about it. Jesus loved his family. Jesus cared for his family. He also had a special relationship with his mother. I mean, from a human perspective, Mary knew Jesus probably better than any person on earth. You think about it, like just in this scenario, when she got word that all of this craziness was happening, that there were crowds gathering around, that there were people being healed, that there were uh, demons being cast out, that the, the Pharisees and religious leaders were criticizing him and slandering him, she had to have been concerned. And I'm sure in her mind, her, her mind went back to all of these different moments growing up with Jesus. Now, Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Jesus' childhood, but we know a little bit about Mary. I'm sure she had to remember when the angel Gabriel appeared to her, said, hey, this is going to be a special baby, and what's in you is of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure she had to remember after he was born, and she took Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, that she remembered Simeon, the high priest at the time, prophesying over who this child would be. I'm sure she had to remember the Magi showing up out of nowhere, giving these gifts. I'm sure she remembered the assault on his life as a child. I'm sure she remembered when he was 12 years old. And they had left, and he was still in the temple, and he was teaching and discussing and conversing with the scholars 
and the rabbis. I'm sure she remembered all these things because scripture tells us in two different places that she treasured all these things in her heart. So we know that their relationship was significant, Mary and Jesus. But beyond that, it's important to note that during this time, just family relationships, family connections were very significant. I know like in our modern day, we talk about how we love our family. We prioritize our family. We might even say something like, man, family is the most important thing to me. And I think that's good. What we're saying is, man, of all the things, my career, all this kind of stuff, what matters is my family. That's great. But you got to know, in Jesus' time, this was especially true. See, the Jews' entire belief system was hinged on a family connection. You think about this, right? God made a covenant with Abraham. Well, Abraham was their father, father of their faith, and the father genealogically. They, they were the children of Abraham. It, talk, it talks in Scripture how God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, Jacob, he had his name changed to Israel. So when you read about the children of Israel or the 12 tribes of Israel, it's talking about a person. They, they, their whole belief system was because of a family heritage. So we might think like, all right, family is important, but it was extremely important in Jesus' day. Like maybe today you might have got your mom or if your mom, maybe you received this a gift today, a uh, little Ancestry.com subscription. Hey, that's great. Like that's kind of cool. Like you can find out a little bit about your heritage and your family tree and some different connections, but that's really nothing beyond a novelty for us. In Jesus' day, it was everything. You might make some discoveries, but in Jesus' day, that's what would open doors for you. Family tree is not going to open any doors for you and me. It's not like you're going to go into a job interview and be like, hey, just so you know, my great, 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 great third cousin by marriage was royalty. Just want to throw that out there. It's not going to, work, not going to mean anything to anybody. But in Jesus' time, it was everything. Your family connections would get you into the right circles. They would get you into the right conversations. And by the same token, one of the worst things you could do was to bring shame on your family. Well, so when Jesus' family, Mary and his brothers, Joseph isn't mentioned, sorry dads, today's not about you. When Jesus' family hears all the drama surrounding him, how the religious leaders are criticizing him, slandering him, the first thing they think is, man, we got to get this situation under control. We got to do something about this. In fact, we learn why they came in just a few verses prior to what I read. It's in Mark 3, verses 20, 21. It says, when Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat, well, when his family heard about this, they went up to take charge of him. For they said, he's out of his mind. We can't have this crazy relative of ours bring shame on the family. We can't have this kind of stuff happening. They might think, man, what's going on here? Didn't they know? Didn't they know that Jesus was the son of God? Didn't they know that Jesus was the Messiah? Well, Mary knew, of course. But his brothers, his brothers didn't believe in him. In fact, in John's gospel, he tells us this specifically. He says, his brothers, 
John 7, verse 5, his brothers did not believe in him. They thought Jesus was crazy. They didn't believe he was the son of God. They had no faith in him at all. So I'm telling you this because I need to set the scene. I need you to just immerse yourself in this story for a minute because the crowd is growing. Jesus is performing miracles. And while he's preaching, someone's like, uh, Jesus, your mom wants to see you. Everybody there would have thought in that moment, okay, he's going to stop what he's, gonna, what he's doing and he's going to come out and see them because honoring your father and your mother is one of the Ten Commandments. But Jesus, you understand, he's the master of every situation. So rather than do what's expected, he uses this opportunity to speak to the crowd about their biggest need. Because their biggest need was not a relational one. Their biggest need was not a family one. Their biggest need was a spiritual one. And can I tell you, that same thing is true for you and for me. Now, it seems obvious, but a lot of us can miss this truth just like his family did. Because his family's their intentions are good, but their actions are wrong. And often, in an effort to be there for the family, well, what they're really doing is trying to pull Jesus out of his place. You see it in the text. The family shows up. They've got concerns. We already know that family is important in this culture. And look at what it says, verse 31. It says, when they arrived, standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. That's kind of interesting to me. Because you think, like, if this really matters, like, they're going to go in, they're going to grab him, they're going to get his attention. But by staying outside, by sending somebody else in, well, they're establishing what's really important. They care, but they want Jesus on their terms. They care about Jesus, but... I want you to be a part of what we're doing, not that we would come to you. And then in the next verse, it says the crowd was sitting around him. They told him, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Now, they know where he can be found. It's not a mystery. But they're determined to stay on the outside. And here's the point that I want to give you today. Is that often in an effort to serve our family we can keep Jesus from being at the center. You got to know this. Going to help you today, but this first part might hurt a little bit. In an effort to serve our family, sometimes we can keep Jesus from being at the center. And the point I'm trying to make isn't that we shouldn't serve our family. The point I'm trying to make isn't that family is not important. The point I'm trying to make isn't that we shouldn't care about our family. The point I'm trying to make is we got to serve them in the right ways. we got to care for them in the things that are most helpful. we got to show them and demonstrate for them what's really important. Because there's not a single person here, mom, dad, family member, that wants to wake up 20 years from now realizing that we've given most of our time to what is least important and least of our time to what's most important. So, so if you're... Reading this, 
And what you hear is that Jesus is rebuking his family, you're missing it. And if you're hearing me and you're hearing condemnation, I'm telling you, you're missing it. Because Jesus isn't dishonoring his family, he's directing it. He's directing it. He wants them to see that the spiritual bond matters more than the family bond. The spiritual bond matters more than the relational bond. Even though it looks like he's excluding his family, he's actually extending it. He's inviting anyone and everyone, including Mary, including his brothers, to be part of his spiritual family. He's not dishonoring him, saying, no, you want to be part, the family's important to you? Let me tell you how you prioritize it the right way. The, the, the people that are around me, that's my family. The people that are doing God's will, that's my family. They were part of his earthly family, but he wants them to be part of his spiritual family. And there's some clues on how we do it. Now, what's interesting about this story, it appears in all three synoptic gospels. Synoptic are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's in all three of them. It tells you that it's pretty important. It tells you that it left an impression. Mark, though, he, he says something that the other ones don't. It's in verse 34. It says, he looked at those seated in a circle around him. In other words, you want to know how to be part of his forever family? you got to keep him at the center. He, he's got to be at the center. That's the family that Jesus is building today. He, he's building his forever family, and he wants you to be a part of it. Now, sometimes people hear this, and they get tripped up, and they think, wait, wait, wait. Aren't, aren't we all God's family? Aren't we all God's children? Well, that's a popular belief today, but it's not true. The Bible doesn't teach that all of us are part of God's family. We might all be God's creation, but all of us are not God's children. What the Bible teaches is that there are actually two families, just like there are two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. There is a kingdom of God and there is a kingdom, powers of darkness. And so Jesus says there is a family of God with God as the father. Then in another time when he was talking to the Pharisees, he said, you're like your father, the devil. You want the things that he wants. You lie just like he does. That's what you're after. So the Bible teaches two families. What's important to note is that anyone can be part of God's family, but not everyone is. Jesus said, whoever, whoever. Reminds me of John 3.16. Whoever, for God so loved the world that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It says anyone can be, not everybody is. Whoever does the will of my Father, whoever does God's will, that is my brother, that is my sister, that is my mother. Can I tell you really clearly, fathers, husbands, kids, the greatest thing you can do for the woman in your life isn't going to be the gifts that you give her today. Isn't going to be you taking her out for lunch. Isn't going to be 
what you do to make the day great and special, the greatest thing you can do for the woman in your life is to serve Jesus. Mothers, wives, daughters, the greatest thing you can do for the people that you care about isn't all the things you do to make the house run well, isn't all the ways you support your family, isn't your presence, isn't how you're understanding, isn't all of the, the greatest thing that you can do for the people you love and care about is to serve Jesus. Because Jesus wants you to know that the family bond is not as important as the spiritual bond. The greatest thing we can do with our life is to be about what Jesus was about. And look, I know a lot of great moms. I know some moms, they will move heaven and earth to be present for their kids. I think that's awesome. I want to commend all the moms in the room for what you do, for being present, for making sacrifices, for canceling other things so that you can say yes to your kids. I think that's awesome. I think you should be commended and celebrated. I just want to ask you one question. When have you ever canceled something for church? Well, wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that church is more important than my kids? No, it's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is that if you don't ever show your kids that God is more important than the thing that you're saying yes to, which is really not your kids, it's an activity or whatever, how are they going to know? If you don't ever show your kids that your relationship with God and worshiping God is more important, how are they ever going to know? Being related to Jesus is the most important thing in life. It was so important to Jesus that he used a moment that everybody would have thought he was sinning, that he was dishonoring his parents. He used that moment to point them to a higher priority, to say, look, I love my family so much, I want to use this moment to teach them something about what really matters. It's more important than your physical health. It is more important than business trips. It is more important than birthday parties. It is more important than what college you get into. God wants everyone to be part of his forever family. And he's not excluding them. He's extending them. He's not ignoring them. He's inviting everyone into something so much better. It's really powerful when you recognize that God doesn't just want a relationship with you. He wants a specific relationship with you. See, sometimes we think our relationship with God is all about what we can do for God, and I'm serving God, and he's God, and he's king. No, he says, this is the kind of relationship I want. I want you to be part of the family. There's a lot of scriptures that talk about it. One of my favorites is in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. It says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Can you imagine that? God, 
creator of heaven and earth, who sent his only son, took upon him our sin and our shame. He says, I'm not ashamed to call you my brother. I'm not ashamed to call you my sister. And so just to everybody who might be here today that finds Mother's Day difficult, and this would be my encouragement to you, that despite the brokenness that you've endured, despite the pain that you have, despite the loss that you've experienced, that despite the, the gaps that exist, the imperfections, the, the places where people have let you down, the, the, the things that you don't have and things that you wish were different, hear me very clearly. Your spiritual family can be a greater strength. Your, your spiritual family can be a greater support. Your spiritual family can demonstrate greater love. Your, your spiritual family can do some things that your biological family never could do. It's that powerful. And here's the amazing part is when you get the spiritual side right, God will help you make the family side right. He'll help you make the relationship side right. You might think, well, how do I know this? Well, what's interesting is after this happens, we don't really hear much about Mary and Jesus' brothers. In fact, in Mark's gospel, they're not mentioned again. We don't see them at all. We know from some other scriptures, though, we, we know a few things. We know that Mary was there at the crucifixion. We know that Mary was there at Jesus' resurrection. And we also know that when Jesus said to his disciples, hey, I want you to wait in Jerusalem to receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can do God's will so that you can do the things that you're supposed to do? Notice what Acts tells us. Acts 1, verse 14. says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So when Jesus said, Hey, you want to be in my family? You got to do God's will? seems to be that's exactly what they did. Even his brothers, who did not believe in him, later all came to a personal faith. James, one of his brothers mentioned, James, he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, also wrote the book of James. Jude was also written by Jesus' brother. Interesting thing about James and Jude in their letters that they write, neither one of them refer to themselves as Jesus' brother. They refer to themselves as bondservants of Jesus. It means they valued their spiritual relationship and their spiritual connection more than they valued their family biological connection. So how do we get that kind of relationship? Well, God's mission has to be the metric to be about what he's about. Where we decide, I'm gonna serve Jesus, that the best thing I can do to serve my family, 
to support my family is to serve Jesus. I'm not going to pull him out of his place by my preferences. I'm going to keep him at the center. And you can be part of the family of God. You enter that family by faith. In fact, if you're here and you would say, you know, Pastor, it's all kind of new to me. I'm not really a church person. I don't really come to church. I don't know much about the Bible. But there, there's something that you said that spoke to me where I, I, I know I've, I've got to, I, I want to serve my family. My family matters. My family's the most important thing. But you're telling me I got to serve Jesus. Tell me if I care for them, I've, I've got to be about what Jesus is about. Can I tell you, friend, the first thing you do to make a decision to follow him, make him the Lord of your life. It's not a hard thing. It's a simple thing. Scripture says this, that when you place your faith in him, you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that you believe what he has done for you, how he's died on the cross for your sin, how he didn't stay dead, but he got up from the grave, that you can have a new life. You can be made new on the inside. The mistakes of your past, he's not holding those against you. The places where you failed, he's not holding that against you. He's not bringing those things up. The, the place where maybe you've been an imperfect father or an imperfect mother or an imperfect daughter or son or sister or brother, he's not relating to you based off of that. He's relating to you based off of what he's done. And he says, in this moment, if you place your faith in me, I'll make you new. You can have a new family. And this is how you serve the mission of Jesus. By just taking one step, doing what he's told you to do.